Uh, my cousin and I, our, our families went, on, uh, went to a beach for vacation. So there was me and my cousin who doesn't really know swimming. Um, but my cousin got this great idea that let's go swimming into the ocean, let's grab a float without a life jacket. So we went into the ocean, we just jumped into it, swimming, uh, and we had a great time. And we chit-chat, talk about how you're doing uh, recently. Um, but after a while, something didn't seem right. We're in the middle of the ocean, and we don't see anyone. We're so scared. And you, you know, like when you are in the ocean, that you don't really know where, which direction is the beach. Um, my cousin was a few years younger than me, and he was even scared, more scared than me. And he asked, what should we do? I said, let's go back and swim back to the beach as soon as possible. And he asked, which direction? I said, try back. That's where we come from. I actually didn't know. And then we just swim back as soon as possible, and as fast as possible, and finally, we saw the beach. It was like a life moment for me. In any situation that I had after that, I was able to maintain calm. Mm. Great. You know, one technique that you showed is the pause. Did you guys notice? <laughs> It's like we lean in and can't wait to know, and we feel that panic rising in us. So yes. fantastic, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, it is. You like help us to feel what you were going through, and that's a great way to connect with the audience. Okay, uh, Kirtana. Hi, I'm Um So when I was nine, my parents uh, decided to immigrate to Australia. So I grew up in Melbourne. Um, so it was m myself, my little brother. Uh, and my parents, and they didn't really have any family or friends. Um, it was a new city. We moved in the middle of winter time. We didn't even know what winter was. We moved from um, southern part of India um, and had to go to a new school. Louder. English was uh, was my, was not my first language. Um, it was a new culture and uh, just a lot of things that were not. Um, the same and I was a fairly sort of timid child and so it took time to adapt and make friends but I feel like that experience has made me um, a lot more resilient uh, to change um, and more accepting of things not always being the way you anticipate and being able to adapt. Yeah even stronger it's made me it's made me a lot more resilient. That's it yes uh, you know even something of mentioning the weather difference it's like a sensory description. So it's a really great technique to even um, get us imagining that contrast of South India to what is winter and just that is such an indication of how flexible and resilient you had to be. Great. Okay, Mia. My name is Mia. Um, I was five years old, about ready to start kindergarten. I grew up here in Washington. Um, and before they start, your kids start kindergarten, you go in and you meet your teacher and you, meet your, you see your classroom to get familiar with it. Uh, my teacher at the time uh, told my parents that she was concerned about me because I was small. As you can see today, I'm, I'm still not a tall person. So when I was five, I was, I was pretty small. Um, and my parents said, it's fine, she'll be fine, don't worry about her. 
So the first week of school comes around and I'm out on the playground and one of the boys in my class, who's much bigger than I am, uh, steals a ball that I had meticulously picked out of the bin to play with at recess. Uh, for a minute, I stood there and didn't know what to do, but then I thought, well, he took the ball from me, I'm gonna go take it back from him. And so that's exactly what I did, so I took the ball back. My teacher saw this whole interaction uh, and the next curriculum night or whatever parent-teacher uh, night they had, uh, she told my parents, you guys were right from the beginning. I didn't have to worry about her. She's clearly able to stand up for herself. Yeah. And I am determined. Yeah. You know, I love that you're able to even say, you can see I'm not very tall now. Like, this is like one of the examples of like just a drop of self-deprecating humor as a way to, especially when you're cushioning it in the rest of how fierce and determined you are, shows how well-balanced you are. Great. Maya. Hi, I'm Maya. Um, my story takes place in London, Ontario in grade two. Um, so it was on the playground, it was during recess, and we had just moved to London, Ontario from Edmonton, Alberta. It was a very different um, atmosphere. And so what they did there was they played marbles during lunch and recess. So I had just gotten my new set of marbles so that I could fit in. And one of the, the third graders, so I'm in second grade, and one of the third graders asked to play me for my marbles. So I just gotten this really fancy crock. It was a metal crock, which is a little larger than a normal marble. And I said, yes, feeling confident, and how can I say no? And in the end, um, he was about to beat me, and so I went running to the teacher and started crying, being like, this older kid is gonna take my favorite marble. Like, you can't let this happen. But the teacher couldn't get involved because, I mean, we had agreed to play. Um, in the end, I ended up winning, and then I just felt like embarrassed and a fool because I had cried for no reason when the game wasn't even finished. And because of that, I am now more thoughtful and accountable for my actions. Yeah. Maya, I love how you are so clear in your communication that you define what a crock is to say it's that bigger marble. It shows that you're really empathetic to the audience. You don't want anybody to feel left out or misunderstand. And boy, that's going to help you so much as a um, trusted business advisor to be sensitive to your stakeholders that maybe don't follow the finance terms, et cetera. So that same great quality is present today. All right, Chang. Hi, my name is Ching, and I'm the third person from Taiwan so far. Um, so the story was happening in Taiwan when I was nine years old. And at the time, we just moved from one town to another new town. And that's a brand new new town, so the new neighborhood, and they even have a new school there. So by no means, I can transfer to a new school. And at the first week of the schools, and because the teacher is also new, the all the whole class of the students are new. So he actually held the um, children contest, children knowledge contest, try to test out each children's their knowledge. So in that context, I was shy at the time, so I won't brave to raise my hand, but my teacher, he tried to kind of picking up people who not raising their hand and to ask them questions to see if they can answer. So throughout the contest, in the end, I'm the one that won the, uh, win the con won the contest. And that moment is actually sparked in my mind. And the reason being why is before I come to the, um, that new school, when I was in old school, I was being bullied. So what I try to do at school is try to hide because I don't want to be noticeable because every time I show up, even though I maybe just got a word from the school, 
my classmate always had some nasty thing saying about me. So at the end of because that instance um, that I won the contest, I feel like people trust in me. And my new classmate cheer for me. So people believe in me and I'm building my confidence. Yeah. So ever since then, I'm more comfortable and that's why I kind of volunteer to do yeah. the recap today. Yeah. So Chang, you know what's super important too, you're showing us and this part of the reason we talk about childhood. There are some childhood traumas that we had and some you know, we have been bullied or, you know, we may have in our mind. So like earlier when I was talking about, oh, have positive intent. That might be a really huge challenge to overcome. And for you to be able to use that story, you're just so relatable and vulnerable and help us to see, you know, some of the baggage that we're bringing into work today and how we can protect ourselves and also how you're able to now, even through the reading recap, is be seen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my name is Fatima. So I was born in Mexico and I lived there for the first seven years of my life. Um, myself and three siblings, my parents. Um, at the age of seven, my family immigrated to the U.S. Um, to Reno, Nevada. And I remember we, we came here in August right before the school year started. So I went into second grade, not knowing any English. Obviously, my brothers were also, two of my brothers were also in the same elementary school. Um, so something I learned about myself then was that math became one of my favorite subjects because it's universal language. You don't need to know English. Um, but also I remember vividly a time where I had my textbook open and I would flip over a bunch of pages and just think by the time I get here I'll be able to understand English. Um, so I worked, there were a couple of students in my class who would translate for me, for the teacher, when I was in class. And then a couple of times a week, we'd go to ESL classes and I'd see my brothers there and we would practice English. At, at home, we would watch cartoons, we'd practice with each other, and then I'd also um, read poems and memorize them to repeat in class yeah. sometimes. So. Uh, by the following school year, I had learned English. I was pretty fluent. Yeah. So by so third grade. I am? Um, I am self-motivated. Yeah. I love how you gave yourself that positive pep talk to say, I know I'm going to be able to get this. And just having that trust in yourself. The other is, uh, one of the principles is talk in terms of the other person's interests is a room full of finance people and you're selling about how great finance is and math is as the universal language, which I think is really like customized as a way to connect to the audience. Great. Thank you. Okay, Lori. My name is Lori and 42 years ago I had a life-changing experience. Um, I grew up in West Seattle and my family at the time consisted of myself, my father, and my mother. And then I have siblings that are huge age gap, 22 years between my brother and I, and 19 between my sister and I, same parents. I was an oops child. Um, so in the summer, let's see, actually it was my fifth grade year of school, we decided to move to Bellevue. Um, we weren't in Bellevue, hadn't settled for more than seven months that summer. Right before I turned 12 years old, my father had a fatal heart attack right in front of me. I witnessed the entire thing. Um, every detail is extremely specific to me. I, I still recall paddles going on. I recall everything. I recall his last words and such. And I remember thinking at that time, you know, I was 12 years old, so there's a lot of anger. And I knew I had two choices. One, I could go down a really bad path, 
I could be bitter, oh, I'm not gonna somebody walking down the aisle, um, woe is me, I don't have a dad, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the other path was, you know what, find some good in this. There's gotta be some good. And when I stepped back, I realized my father was the one who wanted to move to Bellevue with me. My mom had no interest whatsoever. She wanted to stay put in West Seattle. And it ended up being that my two best friends, who today, 45 plus years later, are my best friends, were my neighbors. So I would have never got to know them had um, we not moved. Um, and I realized that I came into my parents' life for a reason. I was there for my mom in her most need. Um, because my siblings were off in college. They weren't around, and not saying that they couldn't help, but I was there for my mom. And my two best friends also had very strong faith, which I pulled a lot from that. Um, and to this day, I, I truly believe, and I think a lot of it has to do with my faith, that within every bad situation, you can find some good, no matter how tragic, whether it's 9-11, yeah. whatever. It's, I feel like you can find some good, and so I carry with me a very positive attitude in the midst of sometimes tragedy. Yeah. You rope us in technically. She had seven words. No one to walk me down the aisle. Ugh, that gets us there. That's connecting <clears throat> to everybody. And then you segue into kind of a more spiritual, meaningful, you know, talking about your faith. And um, after you've already had that really strong connection, and I guess the word I would say is inspiration, which means like, your inspirational literally means the spirit is within you. And so just even in 90 seconds, you're able to share that universal spirit. David. Hi, my name's David, and this happened when I was 10 years old, um, living in Los Angeles. So my parents had this nice Sony TV, you know, yay big. Still has to stick around it because I don't want to peel it off. <laughs> right? And I don't know why, but I felt the need to put some acetone in there to see what happened <laughs> with the TV. Well, the paint stripped off, and so it looked terrible. And my dad came home and said, what happened? I said, my brother did it. <laughs> <laughs> and so he got in so much trouble. I mean, we laugh out now, but I think from that moment, I mean, I take ownership of my own actions. It's okay to make mistakes, and I'm more honest about it. So Yeah. yeah. And you know what? You're curious. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times our best quality in excess can be a mistake or a flaw. And look how lighthearted you are. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think... People can identify with that feeling of getting caught or making a mistake. Yeah. So, especially as a manager, and as you're talking about earlier with your two-year-old, how easily you talk about your mistakes makes you relatable. Snajana. Um, okay, so I'm Snajana, and uh, when I was seven years old, we had just moved with my parents to to a new place, as my my uh, parents were in the army. And uh, throughout my entire seventh year, I was, I was practicing uh, ballet. And the, the feedback throughout the whole year was super positive, that I'm doing very well with the rhythm, with the music, which I loved. Uh, and then at the end of the year, there was a performance that the whole um, group had to do. So in the middle of the preparation, the, uh, the ballet teacher said, say, you know what, uh, you're too tall. So you're just one head above everyone else so you're not going to sit very well on the stage so either you need to be completely out of the performance or you can stay in the back of the on the stage so 
Um, luckily, um, I had heard many times from my father that the, the brave people are not the ones that are always winning, but the ones that when you fall, you, you have the courage and the guts to, to get up and, and continue. Mm. So at the time I said, okay, I cannot change. I'm not going to get shorter and the other ones are not going to grow taller in a month or so. So I said, I'm going to use um, uh, my love for music and rhythm and also the fact that I'm told to do something better. So I moved to uh, being in a choir and I, I started playing sports. And uh, this has made me much more confident in using the strengths that I have and not worry on things that I cannot change. Wow, yeah, so deep. Boy, you think about especially as we're creating cultures at work around <coughs> respecting diversity and what are our, our, our own talents. This is a great one to be able to share with a team of like discovering what your talents are. The other thing too is, it's funny, as someone who always wished I was taller, it's, it, I think it's something that you can look at somebody and go, oh, I wish I was taller. And sometimes other people feel a different way too. So I think it also creates a sense of, I don't know, of like re putting things in perspective. Yes. Yeah.